0: Hey, everyone. We want to welcome you to the Floater Founder podcast. This is a Toronto-based podcast featuring local founders across all markets. We are your hosts, Samantha Lloyd.
1: And Lyson Casey. We are going to be bringing you interviews with exciting and hardworking founders. They will be sharing their experience creating and leading a company.
0: Thanks for listening. Hi everyone, you're here with Floater Founder. I'm your host Samantha Lloyd with my co-host Liza and Casey and today we have the pleasure of interviewing Sean and Peter of Wavy.
2: So welcome guys. Hey, we're excited to be here.
1: Yeah, thank you for having us. Uh, So to start off, tell us a little bit about Wavy, what it does and what are the specific problems that it tries to solve for users?
2: Sure. Okay, so Wavy is an app that helps you find local activities based on your interests. We curate everything in our database from local experts, so if you're looking for something to do in food and drink, it's been sourced from a sommelier, a chef, a food blogger, someone in the industry. Uh, What we do is learn about our users, so what they're interested in, what their criteria is in the moment, whether they're going on a date, a big group outing, or looking to have some solo time, uh, and we take all those factors into account to give a really great on-the-go recommendation that's as relevant as possible.
3: Yeah, so we also kind of limit down the choice. So we don't like, send you to absolutely everything that you can do in a category, like every brewery in Toronto. We give you a curated list of the places that are most relevant to you in the moment so that you can get out there and try something new rather than defaulting to the places that you already know and trust.
2: Mm -hmm. And I think when we're talking about the problems that we're solving, um, it really came from a personal pain point from Peter and I. And, you know, whether you're traveling or looking for something to do in your own city, you can have 45 tabs open, read through thousands of reviews uh, and still not know what to do at the end of the day. It's really hard to get down to it and get that local on the ground knowledge and know the hidden gems that people love to do in their neighborhood or region. So we're trying to tackle that head-on by giving really curated recommendations, limiting the amount of choice, and creating a super minimalist design uh, so that you can go out and explore more often.
1: Cool. And how do you go about curating all of these... uh, Cool places that you can do is it based on user recommendation your recommendations or is it uh, people who are experts in the field
2: Mm -hmm. i think uh, getting started we definitely did a mix of all three of those so we would curate from our users and things that peter and i would find Um, but as we started to develop it more and get feedback people were really excited Um, to know that these recommendations are coming from experts that they can trust. So today that looks more like an influencer outreach program where we're reaching out to different experts uh, to see if they'd be interested in in helping Wavy by sharing their favorite things to do in their field and then also helping their communities by giving them a relevant recommendation. Um, A great example is a photographer we work with he travels all across North America, uh, is quite well known. So, it, so in one week, he'll have people asking him for things to do in Banff, in Nova Scotia, in Newfoundland, and it's really hard to give those recommendations. Uh, yeah, yeah, to the spend.
3: Time. Sorry, to spend the time, um, sit, like sending all these recommendations out and crafting them that to get to the level where they're really personalized.
2: Mm-hmm. So I think where we're moving towards is. Everything is curated from local experts but it will also become a tool for them to use with their communities uh, so that they can get relevant recommendations from people that they follow and trust uh, through AV. And uh, how did you guys go about actually building this app?
3: <laughs> so it started off around this time last year, so last summer we created a Typeform survey and we sent that Typeform to like what, 125 people? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got a bunch of feedback from them. So the way that it would work is we sent out the survey, they'd fill it out, we would take a little bit of time to look at what they said, and then we'd send back a written email with nine different spots they could try in a bit of um, a bit of a route. Mm-hmm. We learned that they wanted to be a little bit more flexible, a little bit more visual, and so we went and we used a no-code builder to build out the very first version. And so Sean and I kind of put that together, um, really scrappy And then we decided that it was worth it to go forward and build an app, like an actual app, using React Native. And so we connected with our developer who's in university and just graduated, and uh, he helped us build this version.
2: Yeah, built this version while taking six courses and finishing up his schooling, so he's awesome. Um, But yeah, I think going back to the early stages It was literally Peter and I sitting on our computers, writing custom plans genuinely for each person who filled out the form. We would send a custom Google Maps. um, And that was really cool because over 80% of our testers in that time wanted to go on another day trip. Within the kind of month that we were testing, 20% actually went out and did their adventure. So it was really cool to see that. And the no-code builder was super handy. And I think we slid in at the end of their beta program. So we built the first version of the app for under $150. Um, Peter learned to code a little bit, wrote our <laughs> APIs. I learned a bit of UX and UI design. Uh, and then we were able to give that to, to our test group and say, what do you think of this first version? What would you want to be improved before we actually start developing it? Uh, so then development kicked off January 2018, and we were able to launch kind of the first version of our app through test flight in April. Uh, so just closed off our private beta period.
1: Iteration is very important, and building apps that your users actually want and not just an idea that, you, that the founders actually had, is very important. Uh, how do you guys go about capturing all of those user suggestions into actual product features and knowing what to say no to and and knowing, like, okay, that's, that's an insight that's more important? Yeah,
3: that's definitely a big question. Um, we started off by doing those. The, by sending that survey, we were able to start getting a lot of feedback from our users from like day one and that has really led what we've built and how we built it so every after every time that we do it run a test we meet with our users and we chat with them about what they've liked um, what it's missing and like how it fits into their planning process Because at the end of the day, our goal is to help you get out and explore more often. So we want to figure out what we're doing that allows that to happen. Right now, we do user interviews and we organize that on a whiteboard, essentially, Um, kind of organizing the different trends and how it relates to different actions.
2: I just want to say that's not an actual whiteboard.
3: It's a virtual whiteboard, yes. yes. (laughs)
2: Um,
3: A virtual whiteboard where we put a bunch of sticky notes and um, we kind of group them into different themes. And based on those themes and how often that they how often they get requested, we decide what to put in.
2: Mm -hmm. And I think this is an interesting one for our use case specifically because um, travel is a huge space. Uh, Travel tech is growing every single day. So we've been very careful to work with our ideal users and our test users to build something that they love. And I think as we do more interviews, get more survey responses, it's like, what are those main themes that are coming up again and again that people want to see in Wavy? I think right now, um, and I I guess looking at the base version that we just built, the main themes coming out of that is people want, overwhelmingly want to be able to access time-sensitive recommendations for Wavy. So not just things that are available seasonally or all the time, but like events, pop-ups, and festivals. And then after that, the two most popular things were being able to explore places near them. So if I'm on a street corner, you know, maybe I've just finished a long day of work or just finished brunch on the weekend, what can I do that's cool, curated, and relevant to me within a five-minute walk? And the third thing would be improving planning with friends. So those are kind of the three buckets that we're we're diving into, and I think we, Peter and I, and our test users have millions of ideas and ways this could go, Um, but, you know, what are the buckets that are going to bring the most value in the next stages and really focusing on those.
3: Yeah. So we rate requests based on uh, how much it will impact the user's ability to go and try more places. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we weigh it against how complex is it to build and how much time is it going to take us to implement And that's how we're prioritizing right now.
2: And tools that have been super helpful for us throughout this has been um, obviously Typeform. We love it. And then Peter recently worked uh, with our UX and UI designer to move everything over to Airtable.
3: Yeah, so we use Airtable for our product roadmap um, and Mural is our virtual whiteboard. And that combination has allowed us to really improve how (laughs) we understand where our product is going and communicating that across um, our team. We yep. work with a lot of, um, like, <laughs> kind of contractors. Yeah, friends. Yeah, it's
2: been it's been awesome to see how willing people are to help throughout this. And I think looking at the past year, this time last year, we had a like life size sticky notepad, one of those ones you like flip over. Oh, yes, that's paper. where our product roadmap lived in Scribbles, and <laughs> uh, it's come a long way since then.
1: Cool. And, and yeah, I think everyone that's built a product has experienced the going from paper to an actual physical uh, product. How how is that experience for you guys? And how is it actually seeing uh, something that was just an idea a short while ago?
2: I think uh, we had to exclude our phones from our data because we're probably like the two biggest users of the app (laughs) in the initial stages. So excited to see it come to life. Um, But I also think there's that um, learning of, okay, this is awesome, but I can't wait for what's next and the next one and the next one. So it's like that excitement of, What's coming down the road and waiting for that to come to life um, is something that's been um, a big learning along the way. To go back to your question, um, the most exciting thing about seeing it come to life so far is like the positive feedback and real life use cases from people that we don't don't really know. People coming through Instagram ads or that we met through networking at events Uh A couple favorite pieces of feedback we've gotten so far is that someone uses Wavy to settle disputes with her fiance on where to go. Uh, So now instead of them fighting over which place they're going to go to, Wavy makes the decision for them. So hearing little stories like that has been awesome. Another person said he had just moved to the city, started using the app. Now it gives him the confidence to be able to recommend things to do when he is out with friends um, and know kind of those insider local tips about these places. Um, So hearing feedback like that and starting to see that Wave is providing real value and encouraging people to get out there and explore their city and the surrounding region has definitely been a big win and we're excited for more of that.
0: Um, So do you want to talk about kind of the whole process of building this company, being part of Accelerators, um, pitching your idea and things like that?
3: Last January, Sean and I started talking about this idea trying to narrow down where the opportunity was and how we could address the problem that that we had faced of like trying to find activities in your own city and while traveling. So we chatted about the idea, we got some help from our tech friends about how we could approach building it. Uh, and then we applied to Startup Boost, which was hosted by TWG last year, uh, where we got a ton of feedback and guidance on how we can test it, how we can validate that this is a problem we're solving, And kind of identifying more of where the opportunity was. Mm -hmm. And so that took us to about... I'm going to say that gave
2: us like a real kick in the butt to get started. Uh, It was a pretty intense six-week program. We got paired with some awesome mentors who were uh, working at places like TWG, who had started their own companies or were in the VC space, had to do an elevator pitch each week and had homework assignments and ended up launching our prototype through that program. So that really kicked things off and i think seeing the amount of programs and support available um, in canada and in north america has been pretty awesome we've been lucky to take part in the accelerate program um, which is put on by connection silicon valley so got to go out to san francisco uh, for a week of mentoring pitching workshops uh, and start to build out our network there which was amazing Uh, and then also took part in the fierce founders program out of Communitech, which I can say was definitely the best public speaking coaching I've ever received. It was pretty intensive. I think 200 startups applied. 24 were chosen. And then they put us into a pretty fierce competition. Uh, and the top eight get, got to present on stage on the last day in March, uh, which we were able to get our way into. So that was a five minute pitch in front of a couple hundred people with the judging panel. And we ended up being runner up in that pitch competition. Um, So, you know, I think we've gotten a ton of value out of programs like this so far uh, and are definitely considering a couple more, um, like YC, like uh, Techstars, uh, and maybe a couple others um, as we launch the app publicly. Very cool. Do you think there's like
0: a right number of things to apply for when you're at the beginning? Like, or is there a certain number of accelerators you should be part of or anything like that? It's a fine line.
3: Yeah, you you definitely need mentorship. If you're able to get that mentorship from knowledgeable people in your field without giving up equity, that's huge. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's one of the big benefits of Startup Boost is it's no equity, no cost. They bring in early stage startups and it's a place for you to really test your idea Mm -hmm. and get feedback on it.
2: I I feel like this is going to be a debate probably for most founders the interview on this podcast because um, it's a battle of is this going to help move us forward? And is it going to be worth the time investment because it is a huge time investment or would it be better to go heads down and just focus, focus, focus uh, and start to build traction on your own? Um, I think when we're looking at future programs, we look at um, what mentors we'll be able to work with as part of the program, um, whether there's any potential funding opportunities. Like, is there a pitch competition at the end where we could bring in some non dilutive cash into the business? Um, and then, like, what resources or learnings are going to come out of it? Um, but then again, it's like if it's a quick application that you can just get done, that's worth it because, you know, we apply for things pretty often and ended up getting into this smaller pitch competition in May and winning that. And that came with a bunch of great resources like a development project, um, courses at BrainStation, tickets to collision, Google Cloud credits. So all of those things are moving our business forward in a pretty impactful way.
1: You guys are pretty good at conveying the idea uh, that Wavy and, and what it can do for uh, for users. Um, what's some advice for other people to be able to do that well? And what are some main ideas about your product that you should um, kind of put forward in a pitch competition? Well, it is really a story, right? We started our story like with our
3: users and with this problem that we wanted to solve, and we tell that story pretty frequently.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
3: It's something that we feel like every weekend at least. So,
2: Yeah, I think starting with the, the, the personal story definitely resonates with people. And I think whether you're networking or onboarding someone new or at a trade show or pitching, people are immediately going to want to know what it is within 10 seconds. So being able to say that, you know, at the very base, Wavy is an app that helps people find activities based on their interests and criteria in the moment. That's like a quick explainer. But then immediately knowing after, okay, why is this different than other things in the industry? Um, how are you going to make money or what revenue models are you testing uh, and other things that you'll do to win? So being able to cover those off pretty quickly is important.
1: And what has been, been the most challenging uh, part of the product development uh, cycle or process for you guys?
3: Well, Sean and I both come from a marketing and kind of more entrepreneurial background which means that there's been a bit of a gap in the development skills that we have on our team. Uh, So that has definitely been a bit of a challenge. We've been able to overcome that by working with mentors to uh, kind of figure out how we can get around it in a really scrappy way, which was our alpha test, which we built ourselves. Uh, And then when we need to, pulling in help from people outside of, well, people that are now kind of inside the company, (laughs) um, to to kind of move that along and to get that development done.
2: Yeah, I think we've been lucky to have some really great technical advisors helping us along the way. Um, And it's gotten us to a stage where we did our last test. It went really well. We have a lot that can be improved before we launch launch. Publicly, Um, So, you know, we're hoping to bring on a full time developer and then we're also looking to bring on um, a third co-founder on the technical side as we grow. So, you know, I think a big learning in this is that like things will take longer than you want them to. um, And that's okay. And then I think uh, another thing would be it's like a blessing and a curse that it's kind of a blank slate in the first year. So that's something we, Peter and I love the most, but it's also the biggest challenge on really validating where, what direction to take the business in and what to build next. Um, but we're getting lots of help. And uh, I think kind of the three main things we're focusing on for the next iteration of the product um, are the right, the right direction. So we're excited about that.
1: Um, how do you go about balancing um, what users want with what can make your app money. Uh, an g- example would be like sponsored content or mm-hmm. ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you balance? How do you balance th- those those two? Because sometimes they can uh, go against one another.
2: Well, this is something we're dealing with right now. So you've caught us at a good time. Um, we're getting ready to test two different monetization models. I think something we've been set on since day one is that we want to be an advertising free platform. Part of the pain point that we're solving is that people know blog posts are sponsored, reviews can be fake or purchased, and that search engines aren't really optimized for in their favor. We were coming at this saying, we'll be the anti TripAdvisor. We're gonna give the most authentic recommendation possible, curated by real people. So that's inherently against advertising. Um, the models that we're looking to test are more of a membership model where it will either be a freemium, Wavy will be free to use for everyone, but will restrict certain things, the classic, think of Spotify, restrict certain things uh, that you can pay to unlock. What we're going to be testing is restricting um, time-sensitive recommendations so you can pay to get uh, access to events, pop-ups, festivals that aren't going on all the time and kind of playing on that FOMO fear of missing out there and seeing if that will work. Uh, Another one we'll be testing is a premium concierge service. So you can use Wavy to explore as much as you'd like, but if you want to talk to a real person um, and get something totally custom planned for you, even bookings and reservations handled, then you can do that for a small fee. Uh, The flip side of that is a full-on membership where Wavy will be more of an exclusive app. Um, You can trial it, but to join, you have to pay to become a member and that would be a seasonal or annual fee. Um, a pretty reasonable one, too. But that will give you access to everything in our database curated from experts, that top-notch-level service where you can chat with us to get something planned for you, and then perks, and we're exploring what that looks like right now with, with some key partners. So those are the monetization models we're, we're getting ready to test. Um, and I think maybe, Pete, you can talk to how we're going to go about doing that in a in a balanced way where like yeah, we yes we ha- this is a business and we'll have to make money off of it once we launch it publicly but also we want the value to be there for users so what we're what we're doing to approach that
3: this is something that we've been talking to our users about a, a bit um, is getting an understanding of where they find the value and if they'd be willing to to pay for that and so now we're going forward and we're creating more of like a landing page approach where we'll create a landing page uh, and we'll ask people directly, what do you want to pay for? How do you want to pay for Wavy? Uh, based on those responses, it'll give us a bit of a clearer idea of what we should build mm-hmm. before we actually commit any uh, time towards based it. Based
2: on polling our test users so far, people say they're willing to pay kind of 5 to $10 a month to get access to this. Um, so that's been interesting, and now we're going to kind of through landing pages and and potentially through development, going to A-B test and see which one works best. And that's not to say down the road that we won't uh, monetize through other channels like affiliate marketing where we can earn commission off of uh, ticket bookings or reservations, uh, or also potential B2B play where we provide experienced design services for people in the uh, transportation, travel, hospitality space. so, yeah, a bit of a can of worms there, but...
3: Ask us next year. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, by this oh, time next answer. year, oh, we're going to be in, a, in an awesome place on that front. So
0: So um, back to when he was talking about um, uh, the product and you guys are both marketers. Can you talk about how that's benefited you with your branding, uh, with social
2: media content, everything like that? Yeah. And I think the fact that we are both marketers maybe uh, could have been a detractor at first. Um, but. Being here now has definitely benefited in terms of design, um, pretty scrappy campaign implementations um, and user acquisition so far.
3: I think it's also helped us a lot um, empathize with our users and really understand the problems that they're having and how we should go about solving them. Mm -hmm. Um, That is a skill that is incredibly important, especially in the early days Mm -hmm. when you have to learn a lot in a very short amount of time and be able to make that into a product.
2: Like when it was still a concept, we got all excited about these huge campaigns we could do and all this marketing. And I think a month into working on this full time, I'd sat down with one of my mentors and I I probably had about four or five sheets of paper with, full of ideas on a table and he was like, marketing is not what you need to be focusing on right now. So put these in a folder and take them out like once the product's more ready to launch publicly. So that's what I meant by like detractor. Just getting initially excited about all the opportunities with this. But I think, um, you know, we've built our waiting list to close to 1,500 people spending almost no money. Um, We've been able to do a lot of testing, uh, doing a couple small Instagram ads that performed really well, uh, a couple giveaways with key partners, um, and you know, getting a base of influencers and experts to work with too so having that background knowledge on kind of starting up marketing strategy from scratch and implementing it in a startup has been has been really helpful um but i think we've only tested the beginning of that and i mean being in the b2c space we're definitely going to spend a lot on marketing uh but have been careful to spend those dollars yet um just enough so that we can know you know which channel has been most effective to acquire users which ones led to the most engaged people who really love what we're doing. Um, So having that background and kind of marketing strategy and and measuring those sorts of things has been super useful.
3: We're also taking a bit of a different approach where we focus really heavily on our local communities first. And so we wanna build that sense of community within our users by hosting interesting events. Like Mm -hmm. we did one in a wine cellar down the street, like a secret wine cellar. I think they had, like you had to scan your thumbprint to get into this room it was really really cool yeah um, and so we hosted that and a few other cool ones
2: I, I guess that's an interesting thing we've done in year one is um we hosted community community events like, as pete said to kind of build out our base of brand ambassadors but we also made sure that every event was profitable uh so the only dollars that have really gone into marketing outside of events have come from tickets purchased uh, and everyone who attended kind of knew that they were contributing towards that so that's been pretty cool and definitely something we want to do as we um, continue our launch in toronto and might be one of our um, kind of positive cost per acquisition strategies as we expand to new cities
3: it's it's also great because the people that come to those events are then really engaged and really excited to give us product feedback because they've seen us there, we've had that opportunity to meet with them, to chat with them,
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, and they stay engaged.
0: All righty. Well, we're going to move into the rapid-fire questions. So these are just more casual, fun questions. And um, what is your favorite spot in Toronto?
3: Familia Balthazar. Um It's this little pasta place. It's only open, I think, from, like, 12 to 3. They serve food. It's got nine spots. It's up near, what? Nine to, spots. Nine seats. Um, it's up near Dover Court.
2: yeah it's on Geary Ave oh, Geary, which yeah. is actually like that street is such a hidden gem in Toronto they've got Familia Beldeser they've got the greater good which is owned by the same people as get well so that has like north of Brooklyn pizza craft beer cool patio they've got blood brothers um, the um, Burdock Brewery warehouse is on there and they're hosting like a cool event there so that street has been an awesome discovery um, my favorite spot right now is the Stacked Market, whether it's the Beer Garden or our friends at Jomo Studio or Reunion Island Coffee. I love what's going on there and I'm happy they're going to be around for a couple of years. So um, that's a favorite for me right now. It's a lot of fun there. And um,
0: so you might have already answered this, but what is your, like, favorite street in Toronto?
2: Oh, that's funny.
3: (laughs) Well, I'm biased. I live in, I live in Roncesvalles, so I love Roncesvalles Ave. Huge shout out to the Gold Standard. I see you every Saturday. Yeah. Um... And then Bandit Brewery out there is also fantastic.
2: Yeah, Roncesville is an awesome street full of so many local goodies. And then, yeah, I think I'm just going to reiterate that Giriav was a cool discovery. And um, what is the best place you've ever traveled to? I'm going to do, because I talk about it all the time, and it's been over three years since I was last there, but New Zealand is, like, my favorite place in the whole world. I've been a couple times... Um, so total I've spent seven weeks there. I still feel like I need six months to explore it and it's, uh, smaller than Ontario. So, um, you know, I think what I love about it is it's like a pretty Canadian vibe. It's kind of like if British Columbia was a country, um, and you can kind of do everything from rock climbing to skiing to surfing, road tripping. Uh, so it's got all the adventure that I love and it's an absolutely beautiful place.
3: I've got a tie between two. So the Fogo Island Inn in Newfoundland, it's absolutely stunning. Their approach to responsible tourism and having a positive impact on the community is absolutely fantastic. Um, You guys should definitely check out Sacred Capital, a theory that um, Zeta, the founder, came up with. And then Zambia, because it is beautiful and they have the river and uh, who doesn't love elephants?
2: Yeah, and hippos. And hippos. Yeah but obviously that's a long-winded long-winded answer from us uh, yeah. <laughs> being in the space so
0: very cool and would you guys live anywhere else outside of
2: toronto oh yes yeah hands down <laughs> uh i we often talk about uh you know as we expand to more cities and grow across north america and beyond um living in the places that we're expanding to and, and really putting that uh, effort towards each new location um and then, you know, I would also live out, out west in the mountains. Um, got a bit of a skiing bias there, but Vancouver's pretty nice. It's Awesome. And um, what is
0: your favorite thing to do to relax?
3: Uh, I love road biking, so going up and down along the waterfront a few times, uh, up along the DVP Trail or through High Park.
2: Yeah, I definitely like biking as well. Uh, recently took up guitar again, so that's something that's just... Totally using the left side of your brain, can't think about other tasks or or work while you're doing that. So that's a that's a favorite activity of mine.
1: Um, What is your favorite app on your phone that you haven't built?
3: Ah, Are we allowed to say Wavy? Um, (laughs) Honestly, for me, it's Messenger. I'm like constantly chatting with my friends, trying to figure out when we can hang out. Um, So that would be a big one
2: yeah that one's good um oh gosh this is hard i i'd have to say spotify i love it so much i think it's changed the way i listen to music i love my discover weekly i love how it recommends songs that are totally relevant to your playlist at the bottom and i take a great pride in curating playlists for every genre of music um like that's one of my top 10 skills for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he always says.
0: I, s- I say that all the <laughs> time too. It's add so it to funny. His using <laughs>
1: <sister>.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Spotify is definitely my most used and most favorite app.
1: Cool. Uh what's the last book you read? Oh. oh
3: boy. I've got I think I've got 3 on the go right now. Um, A Man in Moscow because it was on um, Bill Gates reading list for the summer. Um a one about spies, because why not? And then my favorite book of all time, uh, Machine Platform Crowd, which is extremely nerdy. Yeah. Oh, and then there's Bad Blood.
2: Yeah, Pete Pete uh, listens to audiobooks so can crush um, books pretty quickly. Yeah,
3: on commutes. It's the best way to like consume a book, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. I think the most recent one that I reread was, um, and you can see the stickers on my laptop, uh, Yvonne Shunyard's book, Let My People Go Surfing. Um, you only have to read the first half; that's the story part. The second half is more of like a textbook, uh, but just the story of how Patagonia got started and what his values were as he was, he was building the company is one of my favorite, and I reread it last month. So,
1: what is your go-to karaoke song?
2: I love karaoke. I also just like love any opportunity to have a microphone. So, thank you for having me here. <laughs> um, I any Avril Lavigne song. I'm pretty good at.
3: Um, I have to admit, I've never done karaoke.
2: That's a lie. I've seen him do karaoke. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Okay, my basement doesn't count. (laughs) Um,
2: I think I've seen you do Roxanne by The Police.
3: Probably Roxanne, Sweet Caroline, like some of the more classic ones like that. Yeah. (laughs) Who was your favorite teacher? My favorite teacher was definitely Peter O'Grady. He taught uh, outdoor ed. And so we would go canoeing and do a bunch of fun outdoor stuff. All right. And last question. What was your first job? Uh, I was a lifeguard at a camp in Quebec. Uh,
2: I think my first job was teaching freestyle skiing. I used to do mogul skiing um, and go off jumps and crazy things like that. And then somehow I winded up teaching it to little kids, which was (laughs) wild um, and lots of fun.
0: Okay. Well, thank you both so much um, again for bringing us into TWG. Um, We've had such a great time interviewing you both. um, So thank you so much. Thanks for
2: having us. It's been awesome.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having us.
0: We wanted to thank you so much for coming in. We had such a great time interviewing you for Floater Founder.
1: And thank you so much to our listeners. We are so excited to share more founder stories with you.
3: Until Until next time.